Hello, I'm Leila Hidayat and welcome to this special edition of Stories to Change. So you can usually find me behind the scenes at Frontline, however during this extraordinary time I'll be recording from my living room. I'll be speaking to some really amazing people as well as some brilliant organisations who are adapting to support children and families during the pandemic and beyond. You, our lovely listeners and social gooders, will hear their stories, advice and hopes for the future as we learn together along the way. Hi everyone, so this week I spoke to Ashad Mahmoud, founder and director of Planet Mercy UK, a national charity that is working to reduce food poverty and improve youth services, community cohesion and skills for life. In response to the pandemic, Planet Mercy UK led an outreach programme which distributed over 8,000 food parcels to families and individuals across Greater Manchester. Born and bred in Oldham and the son of migrant parents, Ashad draws upon his experiences as well as his faith to support others. He shared what inspired him to set up the charity and what drives him to continue the important work that benefits so many. So I hope you enjoy this week and I'll speak to you soon. Oh, well, cool. well, thank you so much for um, taking time to speak to me. I really, really appreciate it. Um, cool. So what I've been doing with the Learning from Lockdown podcast is asking our guests to share one interesting fact about themselves. So I don't right. know if you've got something that you'd like to share with me. Um, I don't know if uh, it's a good thing or not, but I think I'm somewhat of a perfectionist and uh, I try to encourage others as well. I try and live by the principle that choose for others what you choose for yourself. Do you know what? I completely, um, I completely get what you mean. I think I'm a perfectionist too. <laughs> it gets a bit tiring sometimes, though, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, absolutely. Um, tell me a little bit more about um, your story today. I'm actually born and bred in Oldham, uh, so it's sort of my local area and I've lived there all my life. I have worked out of town a couple of years, uh, so I work full-time in IT uh, in the education sector. So I work currently for the University of Manchester, uh, married with four kids, uh, and as I said, I'm the head of Planet Mercy. And uh, in addition to charity work being my passion, uh, I also love sports, so I'm very much into cricket, football, etc. Uh, and also just going for walks and things like that with the kids, just observing nature. So you're a busy man. Uh, I am, yes. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about what inspired you then to, to set up Planet Mercy. Well, Planet Mercy has been running since 2009. So we've been running for about 11 years. Originally, when we started the charity, things were different. So an organization has to respond to the changes around its environment. So when we started the charity, we were just a group of uh, individuals who wanted to do something, uh, give back to the society, to do something for the community. So we started doing various uh, initiatives, uh, like, for example, visiting children at hospital who are sick, particularly at Christmas, taking gifts for them, uh, visiting care homes, giving people gifts, spending time with them. Uh, We also did fundraising as well. So we did for a couple of hospitals raising funds. uh, And uh, that was sort of in the early days. And we didn't really have a particular focus. Uh, It was just random acts of kindness. We just wanted to give back something. Uh, But I think then a couple of events happened. And I think these were the most significant ones which gave 
uh, as a particular focus and a structure to the organization. So I think around that time, uh, 9-11 happened, uh, which really changed the world. Uh, and as a result of that, there was uh, a lot of economic impact. There was uh, a lot of tension in communities, obviously, uh, you know, because the perpetrators supposedly were people from a particular religious background. Um, so that was a very difficult time. Uh, also, uh, I think there was a recession around that time, uh, 2008, if I remember. So there was an economic impact uh, and there was an emergence of food banks. Also, austerity cutbacks uh, affecting people's lives. Uh, so there were a, a lot of uh, activities for kids when we were growing up, a lot of greenery. Um, and uh, obviously, when you have austerity and cutbacks, it results in a lot of social problems. So we already have uh, you know, a lot of issues with the youth. So people don't feel safe sending their kids out. Uh, and then we had the Syrian war as well. So we had a lot of uh, refugees coming in. Uh, so all these factors contributed to us having the determination and, and a more uh, focus. Uh, so they, they basically gave shape to our key services. So we said, how can we try and tackle all these areas? Uh, it wasn't going to be possible, but to the best of our ability. So we narrowed it down to four or five key areas. So since round about 2011, 12, 13, we've been focusing on these. So Planet Mercy is basically a national organization that works to improve the lives of locals. So we just try and serve humanity irrespective. Uh, so the areas that we've been focusing on are firstly food poverty. Uh, so we've been doing uh, lots of warm meal kitchens, food banks, uh, homeless feeds. Uh, and at the moment, we have several initiatives going on. So since we started that, we've done over 10,000 warm meals. And now for a small organization with volunteers who are part-time, it's actually a significant uh, impact. So we, we've got that. And then on the back of that, we've got a project called REACH Project, which basically helps families in need, either through financial support or basically household items. So up until now, we've supported about 137 families. So we do like a three-month uh, support program, which is like a, a weekly financial package or household items, so buying washing machines, fridge freezers, etc. So we've, we've been doing that as well. Uh, and then we've been focusing on uh, education and skills for life. So there are people that have been coming into this country to help them integrate, understand the culture better, uh, uh, teaching them English, uh, and also... Um, people that have been coming from war-torn countries setting up a refugee support program. So we have a system in place where uh, once they get referred to us, we try and visit them weekly, uh, you know, ask do they need any items, etc. Buy them household items and also signposting as well. Signpost them to solicitors for their case, etc. So uh, that as well. And then we've done some work in the mental health as well. Uh, and obviously, because of what I said about 9-11, uh, a lot of community cohesion work, working with other faith groups, uh, share Ramadan, inviting people in, visiting churches. So a whole variety of things to try and tackle that wide spectrum of issues that we feel are key in our society. 
That's amazing. And it's really interesting to hear about how you've gone through that um, journey and how you kind of focused your efforts in different areas of the community. That was interesting for you to walk me through that. So thank you very much. Um, I'm wondering, so, you know, there's lots of people who um, could have done what you have done. You know, they they feel really passionate about um, helping vulnerable people in their community, but they, they just, you know, they don't for one reason or another and I'm wondering what about you is it that made you you know get people together and 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 start this charity Uh, I mean I think there's a couple of factors that inspired me to do that and I think they say that a person is a product of their environment uh, and I think when when I was growing up uh, a lot of those things stuck with me and they formed the personality that you know I became so for example uh, my parents were migrants into this country uh, my father came over you know looking for work so he could sustain his family etc he was a, he was a cotton mill worker uh, and we always struggled financially and I and I recall uh, you know people being more uh, well off than us uh, you know like to the extent of having a car when, when a lot of people couldn't afford a car in those days so uh, I saw that I saw my parents making ends meet struggling and um, you know we would always be in debt so the local grocer would be generous with us he'd allow us debt on a weekly basis and then my father paying it etc so we, we were brought up through those times uh, and what I saw was what was helping us get through and it was actually others shouldering support. So people who had cars reaching out to us, taking us places, the, the gross have been generous. And, and that stuck with me uh, up until today. And I, and I was really, really convinced that uh, it's only by being there for one another, helping others. It doesn't matter the scale of assistance you give them. Even a smile can make a difference to someone's day. So it was these kinds of things that helped me to kind of, uh, you know, set up the charity and, and be determined to, to contribute to society and do whatever I can for our community. And I think on top of that, it was faith as well, because uh, I'm a practicing, well, I try to be a practicing Muslim. Uh, and uh, in, in Islam, charity is one of the pillars. Uh, and maybe like-minded people as well that were around, because for, for a project like this, you've got to be, you've got to have the same vision and you've got to have the same kind of drive as well. So I guess people who were with me or part of the organization were in a similar sort of mindset. So we're kind of easing out of lockdown. Uh, you know, the shops are open and things now. Um, but just looking back um, over the past weeks and, um, you know, a lot of your work is face to face with the community. And what sort of things have uh, you done over those weeks in order to make sure that you continue your support with um, vulnerable people in, in society? Uh, we we already had a, a focus and a support base, so we were we were helping uh, the homeless uh, in Manchester City Centre and Preston and other places once a month doing the, the, the feeds, and obviously the refugees and asylum seekers. Uh, but since the COVID nineteen happened, we actually linked up with other institutions as well. So we linked up with Rochdale and Oldham Council, 
organizations that work with them, uh, social workers as well. So as a result of that, we, we actually had a broader base to support. So while things are starting to ease and other organizations are reporting, uh, you know, a drop in the need for food parcels, we too have experienced a drop, but it's actually still quite significant. And, uh, and these are basically people who are still in dire need. So we're looking at people uh, very less elderly and vulnerable, but, but uh, uh, more about people who are still financially impacted uh, and also um, a lot of domestic violence cases and families splitting up, unfortunately. So uh, that's one thing we've done. We've, we've linked up with other institutions as well. But at the same time, we've realized that uh, we don't know how long this is going to go on for. So you need you need a you know, strong financial basis. Uh, and what we usually do is we appeal every year in Ramadan. People tend to be more generous in, in the month of Ramadan. And uh, we did our fundraising campaign as well. So we've tried to secure funds for the coming year, but also for the COVID-19 for at least up to six months. So I felt those were the two key things that we needed to do. And when we started the project, because it was a it was a new experience, uh, we hadn't done anything of this nature you know, uh, because of the COVID-19. It was a journey as well. We weren't as efficient in our processes. Uh, we were running around. We were, we were spending too much time shopping uh, and things like that. But then we put a system in place now so that uh, it's a lot easier to manage. So, so we did that as well. So I think it was these three things, really. It's good that you were able to kind of stop and reflect and make those, those changes in order to be more yeah. um, efficient. Um, I know that, uh, you know, Ramadan um, happened during like, the midst of, of the lockdown. Um, I wondered if you wanted to, to kind of talk through your experience of that, um, perhaps what it means to you and maybe some of the things that you were doing um, for the community at that time. OK, so usually uh, in normal circumstances in Ramadan, we still do the food parcel distributions. So we don't do the hot meals because uh, a lot of the service users uh, in Rochdale are uh, Muslim. So because they're fasting during the day, but we do the uh, food kitchen in association with the Baptist Church in Oldham because we've got a more mixed uh, audience there. Uh, and we we do more food parcels for the people that are fasting. Uh, but I think because of the pandemic, personally for myself, there was there was quite a lot of things that were going on at the time. So one was obviously the pandemic and everybody kind of taken back by not knowing, you know, how to deal with it because we've never experienced it before. Uh, and then basically the institute being shut uh, and all the, the activities grinding to a halt and then us having to see how we can continue that. So turning uh, our centre into a food distribution hub. Uh, but then at the same time, uh, my nephew got sick as well. And it was suspected of having COVID-19. So he was in hospital. We couldn't visit him. Uh, so a lot of things were going on at the time. And uh, I think, but the thing is, like, no matter what you're going through in Ramadan, uh, because it's, uh, it's a spiritual season for people of the Muslim faith, uh, and basically everybody's trying to focus on their relationship with God, just having Ramadan helps you get through all that. And I think that was a huge driving factor for us to kind of continue going despite everything that's going on around us. So what we did was we just decided that we're going to respond to the situation. Uh, I'm personally diabetic as well, so I was at high risk. Uh, and the other factor was that because of the pandemic, you couldn't you couldn't 
force anybody to come out. So I couldn't expect volunteers to come out because everybody was fearful for their own safety. So we had enough people who would actually make it work. So uh, in the early days, what we were doing was just taking out a couple of hours from lunch break uh, and then after work. Uh, so we put in about five hours for about eight weeks, pretty much every day. And we originally said, you know, this is going to be a couple of days a week. But it turned out to be every day. And we said, you know what, just forget this planning. It's not going to work. Just, you know, just just go with the flow and do it. So that's what we did in Ramadan. And also because Ramadan is it's a time where people focus on their relationship uh, and they increase in charity because the rewards are greater. So I think that helped. And also the, because Ramadan has several dimensions to it. Uh, and one dimension is that when you're fasting and you're experiencing that hunger and thirst, you actually feel empathy with those who are living this every day. So I think that was another driving factor for us. And then obviously hearing all the stories of, you know, people losing their loved ones and not being able to, etc. So it all kind of added up. Uh, but I think for us, yeah, Ramadan and the kind of it being a spiritual season is what helped us keep going. And it was sort of our driving factor. Mm. Um, yeah. Okay, well, thank you for sharing that. So many of our listeners uh, will be um, social workers. So they'll either be kind of starting out in the profession or would have been um, in the profession for a number of years. And uh, one of the things that we're um, keen to do with this podcast is ask our guests for um, some advice that they would share with listeners from their experience. What would your advice be? I would say that we, we are going through a very difficult time, never seen before. Uh, and I think if there's anything that's come out of this is the community spirit. Uh, and what I would say to people is that, you know, let's not make this an exception. Let's try and make this the norm because really, you know, that's how communities ought to be. Uh, really, that, that's all I can say, you know, just keep doing what you're doing and realize that, you know, just because there isn't a pandemic, uh, or there's no longer a pandemic, uh, you know, everybody's kind of living their own struggles and battles. So people might be going through a pandemic in their own homes, but we might not be aware of that. So just, you know, check up on your neighbours, uh, just knock on the door, even, you know, just calling to say how you're doing, etc. So just keep doing the things that we've done through the pandemic, because it's only that togetherness, it's only that community spirit that's actually got us this far. And with regards to you uh, setting up the charity, I wonder if there was any challenges that you had and how you overcame those I think uh, whenever you start something new, the, the, there are always going to be challenges and, you, you know, you're going to reflect over time and say, you know, I could have done this better, could have done this better. Uh, but to be fair, I think it's been a pretty smooth journey. Uh, I think the only difficult bit has been the, the kind of sacrifice and the, the balance between family and, and work and sort of charitable work. Do you get the, uh, the kids involved with any of the, the volunteering or...? Yeah, yes, I do. Uh, so, yeah, my kids do get involved. So when we have like community events, uh, the daughters get involved, they help volunteer on the day. Uh, and uh, my son's involved in the football academy as well because we have youth services. Uh, so, yeah, it's a family thing. We all get involved. Are you looking forward to the, uh, is it the Premier League starting soon? 
I am, yes, I'm a big football fan and I, I was talking to some of my colleagues earlier and I was saying, you know, we've got this uh, session to do and, uh, you know, they're going to ask one of these questions and, you know, what do you think I should talk about? I said, don't tell them you're a United fan because oh. <laughs> he's a Liverpool fan. So they're on, they're on the high horse at the moment. So, uh, you know, their days are coming. So they're, they're having a go at United fans. I was going to say, are you an Oldham fan? But you're not, you're a United fan. I actually do go to the local games at Oldham Athletic as well, uh, but yeah, more of a United fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, par- my partner's a Liverpool fan and um, I really have been enjoying the fact that there's no football on the telly, so I'm just preparing All myself right, okay. now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've given like 48 hours notice to the family to say football's going to be on soon, so <laughs> <Don't talk. laughs> just work around it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So what things would you like to continue to implement and, and bring forward as we as we move forward past the lockdown stage? I think the networking is really important uh, because when you're working with social workers and, uh, and other people, you know for sure that their case is, is established. So we want to continue doing that so that the support network you know, gets as big as it can. And as long as we've got the financial means, we won't turn anyone away. We'll continue to do that. And if I'm a social worker, um, what area do I need to be from? Or if I am interested in reaching out to you, how would I do that? So for household items assistance, uh, if anybody contacts us through the website, uh, you know, they can reach us. And because what we try to do is if we can't get somebody to donate an item that they've got, not throw away stuff, it has to be good quality stuff, then we tend to buy it. So we buy the washing machine, whatever, and we'd rather get it delivered direct to the house so anybody around the country can benefit from that service. Whereas if you want a food parcel, it's a bit impractical for us to have to drive beyond a certain radius. So what we're doing at the moment is we're doing Oldham, Rochdale, Haywood, Middleton, uh, Ashton, uh, and Bury and Manchester. Fantastic, yeah. thank you. Um, so thank you so much. It's been really, really interesting hearing about Planet Mercy and the work that you're, you're doing. Oh, it's really wonderful, wonderful work. Do you think you'll um, continue with Planet Mercy for the next uh, 11 plus years then? You, you, you still yeah, going? If, I, if I live that long, yeah. <laughs> uh, we've actually, uh, you know, we've really been kind of, uh, it's, a wake, it's been a wake up call, uh, you know, personally for all of us. Uh, I mean, I, I try to kind of... Uh, never forget my, my journey and my past and always try to try to you know uh, be humble but this has really been a humbling experience and you know everybody I've met even at the chemist and whatever that's all people have said they said it's been a wake-up call and it you know we we, we thought things were going to be perfect uh, you know the world would never stop and it, in a way it had stopped as well so uh, yeah I think it's only made me more determined and uh, the good thing is like my, my family's in on it so you know, usually when, when people are involved to this extent, uh, when they've got a job, they've got family as well, it does affect relationships, it does affect family as well. And I think the good thing is that my wife's been very understanding. So uh, the fact that we're all in it and we're all involved, it makes it easier for me to continue. Uh, yeah, so, you know, she's really been a, a kind of a solid rock for me. All right. Okay, look after yourselves you. and uh, hopefully we'll keep in touch. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye.